Welcome back to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who are made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Hey, Kendon. Hi, guys. Hi. What's up? Happy May. It's May. It is May. So. Yeah. Do we getting uh, May, May flowers? Yeah, we've got flowers in the backyard. We got purple, pink, white. I've been enjoying them. We had April showers. We did. Is that, I mean... In Seattle area, that should mean you're always getting Mayflowers. Always. Nope. April showers are a specific type of shower. They are? Not April mm-hmm. sprinkles? Nope. Showers. I don't know. We had April showers. <laughs> yeah, we did. Okay. And we had, um, yeah, we, we welcomed in May. It's good to be here. Let's go back to the 80s. Oh, no, first, um, so this week we switched it up. I don't know why I suggested this movie, but um, we went with it. So you heard somebody said something about it on a podcast, and you're like, we should just watch, we should watch Ghost. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. And I was also realizing we've done a lot of Patrick Swayze lately, so I must have that on my mind too. So, friends, this week's episode is about Ghost 1990 with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I'll put the timestamp in the show notes if you want to go straight there. And then let's get started with, let's go back to the 80s. Let's do some trivia. Trivia. All right, I'm going to roll the die here. We're green. Yeah, we're moving green. Oh, flipping to the upside down. We're already in the upside down. We're going back to the right side up. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know, but they don't. Fair enough. Orange. Okay. (laughs) Orange. So this is a Stranger Things question. What is Mr. Clark's first name? Scott, Kurt, Hank, or Warren? Who's Mr. Clark? Is he the the science teacher? You think it's Hank, Tim? I think it's Hank. I think it's Warren. I think he's a nerd. Hank. I think it's Hank or Scott. It's probably Kurt. I don't think it's Warren. Okay. What are we picking, guys? What's our oh, final we all answer? Picked individual answers. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So we got Hank, Warren. Oh, that means I have to pick. Um. You can pick the same that he picked. I know. Um. Clark, Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark. I'm going with Scott. It's Scott! It was Scott. (laughs) Okay, that was fun. (laughs) Is there another one on there? More 80s related? Yes, there is. Let's I'll go with um um go with yellow or green. Okay, yellow. Who knew this much was quote true in 1983? So what? Who knew this much was true? So somebody used to say, I know this ooh, much is true. Ooh, ooh, I love you. Is it a song? No, I guess not. I don't know. It's Spandau Ballet. <laughs> this card really? sucks. Span, S-P-A-N-D-A-U. So Spandau, Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Not, not on my radar at all. 
Okay, how about what colorful, consumer-friendly U.S. newspaper first rolled off the presses and hit the streets in 1982? A colorful newspaper. Consumer-friendly. Consumer Reports. <laughs> I don't know. Consumer-friendly, I don't know. USA Today. Uh, okay. Kind of Consumer-friendly? Because it's like, isn't U.S. Today kind of like... Um, Friendly? Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just like the stuff that you can pick up and like anybody can read. Have you noticed these are like all kind of before we were born? Before you and I, at least. What do you mean? What was the other question? Nin- like 1983? Oh, yeah. This is kind of a little ahead of our 80s Meh. experience. But we, if we know what, what magazine like USA Today or newspaper existed in the 80s. Okay, here we go. We can get this one. In which board game is the object to catch the most bugs with a giant set of tweezers? I kind of remember this game. Hmm? Bed bugs. Bed bugs. It's bed bugs. Commercials declared, it will drive you buggy. All right, we finished our trivia, so we're back to the 20s. Mm-hmm. 20s, 20s, May 2020. 2020. What's the news? You guys got any news? Yeah, I got a little bit of news. We got a trailer today for a new HBO show called Lovecraft Country. Uh-oh. Love what? Lovecraft Country. It's a new show on HBO. Okay. It's by J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele and Misha Green. And it follows a group of people um, traveling through 1950s across America, a group of Black people. But there's also a... a part of the country called Lovecraft Country, where there's like creatures and mystical stuff happening. And so he has to go get his father, I think, or something like that. It looks intense. I have to remind Shalia what Cthulhu is every time a reference is made. But Cthulhu is one of his more famous creations, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Who? Also, if they're traveling- You've seen one before. You've seen a Cthulhu. You've seen a She's seen Cthulhu a million times. No, no, no. I'm not talking from, about Cthulhu, but Lovecraft? Yeah. Oh, is Love, that a thing? Is no, that a he's person? He's an author from like turn of the century era, era maybe a little oh. later. And okay. he's all about what's called cosmic horror. I see. Yeah. Okay. In fact, oh, so much of that Warhammer 40K stuff that you hear me listen to is inspired. All of the like something, it's so awful. It's my, you'll, you'll, be reduced to a gibbering mess of insanity. Okay. Just, the, just the sight of these creatures is enough to kill you. It's kind of- All right, you should know that I, I know who Kathuku is. Can okay. show it to me? I know what you're talking about on this one. What I didn't know yeah. was when, Tim, you said Lovecraft, I was thinking Lovecraft yeah. country. Three words, love being one of them. <laughs> Crafts, and I was thinking either arts and crafts or like, or being professional or um, The Witches. You remember The Craft, the movie? Yeah, the Craft. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that yeah, title way, doesn't way do me any favors. <laughs> I, would, I would recommend watching the trailer. Um, it looks pretty interesting. People facing off against racism and creatures in the U.S. in the 1950s is my kind of story. He, is, he was very obsessed with racism. Well, like misogyny in particular. So a lot of his stories where people were like being bred with lesser beings, like these uh, disgusting fish people from under the water, yeah. stuff like that. Good stuff. It Sorry. might be a little for you, 
Shalia at times, but uh, Kenan will probably love it. Yeah. There's no ghosts involved. No, I don't think there's any ghosts involved. Uh, they did saw a Ouija board in the trailer, so I don't know. Who knows? Spirits and demons and stuff. Probably. Cool. Probably some of that. Any idea when it's coming out? Um, hold on. It's at, let me look at the article. Because I don't know. I don't know if it's coming straight to HBO or HBO Max, which starts in May 27th. Mm. Uh, Why do we need an HBO Max? For more money. Well, it I said we. <laughs> well, depending on your service, I think people, some people are automatically upgraded to it. Uh, doesn't say when it's coming out. Soon. We finally got a trailer. I mean, everything's sort of in flux. Some pe- things are getting pushed up. Some things are getting pushed back. So I don't know. But I know HBO Max launches the 27th. So I'm sure they'll want to have some cool content for it. The thought of project that has J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele attached is probably smart. Yeah. 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 And you got a lot of people at home right now. You want, you want, you're going to have max, <laughs> max viewers right now. So many people at home. Did you see a AMC saying they wouldn't show Universal's movies? Yes. Because they, what movie did Trolls? Trolls World, World Tour did like 100 million at home. Yeah. Why won't AMC show them then? It's just a, it's a, it's a fake power play. Do you want to know what franchise is under the Universal banner? I'll give you both a guess. Fast and Furious? Fast and Furious. Which includes Shaw and all of that. So you're not showing any of those movies in your theater? And everybody else is. Like, this isn't like AMC and Regal and whoever else got together and is like, hey, we're, we're all bothered by the fact that you're kind of cutting us out of the loop. It's just... Um, AMC. So I didn't realize there was some like strife between the theaters and the movies. Like I know we've been talking about what's going to just be released for us now and streaming or whatever, so we can see it at home. But I didn't know that the theaters were like in disagreement with these decisions. I mean, oh, I mean, the technology didn't always exist to be able to cut them out, right? We didn't always have these 4K TVs at home. We didn't always have high-speed internet. We didn't always have platforms to show it. All that exists right now. So, Shalia, the, a, a, a tie-in, a tie-in that you might be more familiar with is the whole argument about whether or not something like uh, Roma or other streaming things could be considered for the Academy Awards. Yep. And this is why they were always like, "Oh, we've got to release it in a theater, like at this, like in three theaters or whatever." Yeah. No. So I, I'm aware. For a it's all week part or, of the same yeah. war. Um, yeah, no, I'm aware. Yeah, I'm aware of that war. I, I guess in the time of COVID, I, uh, I didn't know that we were fighting about things like that. But it makes yeah, sense. I mean, it's, a, it's a threat to their industry. I was going to say, it's a threat to their industry. It's an industry because at some point, we're going to get back to some sort of something that was close to what we had before, if not right back to it. But not packed movie theaters. Yeah, yeah. In this interim, what they don't want to have is people come up with bad ideas to cut them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, speak- which my last news item is that Dark Phoenix was the biggest box office bomb of 2019 with a $133 million loss. Whoa. That's a lot loss. Yeah. So four- you, thought, you thought it was all right, right? Yeah, but I saw it on a plane. Wow. So the four other ones were Terminator Dark Fate, who lost 122.6. Cat, who lost 113.6. <laughs> And Gemini Man lost 111 million. Ooh. 
and Missing Link was actually really good. Lost 101.3. Yeah. So what, is that, so what does that mean when you have a loss like that? Um, I feel like they have insurance against losses like this. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, for the creators, it's tougher for you to do another project. When you, you're, right, you're only as good as your last hit, right? So you show up and you say, hey, I did Terminator Dark Phoenix. And they're like, really? Terminator Do Dark Phoenix sounds like a terrible movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Terminator Dark Fate. X-Men Dark Phoenix. Terminator was bad. But we're already like 100 Terminator movies in. Here's the funny thing about what you're saying. The funny thing about what you're saying, though, is that you're pu they're putting it on the creator. And these are like, these are big studio movies with a ton of interference and like outside goals to fill to fix or like to try to connect to things they have nothing to do with the creative process yeah exactly and and so the creator must be like i mean my name is at the top along with of course the, the, the what do you call it the studio name but like yeah. i'm gonna get dumped on because i had these these unnecessary constraints or requirements yeah. or whatever because they were making dark phoenix right as you know that merge was happening with with fox and disney and fox did not care about that x-men movie or not Fox, uh, Disney didn't, because they're just like, hey, everybody forget about this, because we're definitely going to have our own version of the X-Men. Yep. They're going to be brighter, yeah. brighter, gonna more colorful. They're going to have fight sequences. It's going to be great. Yeah. Everybody's going to be a cartoon. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about that, because um, one thing that uh, we watched part of the other day was uh, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And at some point, um, Captain America's on a motorcycle and he drives by and grabs a guy by the leg. And I was like, that guy's a cartoon. Like, he was such a digital person. Yeah. And it looked so good. It looks good. It looks so good. Yeah, we watched um, Age of Ultron for, uh, we played it during our wedding uh, anniversary party. So it was on and we were seeing it. Um, okay, I have news. Yes. I think this is news. Um, that... So the Ken Burns documentaries are all free right now during, during quarantine. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool because his documentaries are great, very educational, <laughs> helpful for parents probably. And um, for anyone who hasn't like watched any of them, this is probably a wonderful time to do that. I wonder if there's one that I haven't watched that I'm interested in. There's, there's, there's so many. I love them. And he's so good at it. So. He is. He's excellent. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Okay, you guys want to talk about what we've been doing? What are you yes. watching, thinking about, singing? Singing? I've been watching rom-coms. So this week I watched Eat, Pray, Love, which was like two and a half hours long. And I, did, I didn't love it at first, but I liked the ending. The whole Javier Bardem stuff at the end I thought was great. Did you read the book? No. Was it different than the book? I didn't watch the movie. I had no interest in it. The book I didn't love either. I've read it, but I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a comedy though. No. Okay, I never got the impression that it was a comedy. It's kind of funny in parts, but it's it's a, it's it is a rom com though because she does all this dating and meets these guys and has like this silly running with with this dude at this Buddhist temple and but amongst the comedy is all this heartfelt love and loss and. How do we recover and how do we grieve and how do we grow as people? 
There's all that stuff that's sprinkled in there. The second one I watched was 27 Dresses. Hey! Katherine Heigl. I've seen like four of her movies during this whole quarantine. She kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, she had a lot of dresses in her closet. Uh, thought it was weird at the end when she kisses her like sister's ex-fiance. That was weird for me. Like, I get the whole, her sister was a liar and was lying about being a vegetarian and loving animals. And that thing she did to her at the wedding with the slideshow was just mean. It was just mean-spirited. It wasn't even like, pull hold me aside and have a conversation if you feel like you need to tell them the truth. But man, she put her on blast in front of everybody. That's a really good point. It was pretty mean-spirited. Her friend kind of tells her that. Like, you, that was kind of mean. Because he apostled, you know, they reconcile. She gets married to the guy who wrote a very mean article about her, which was like, why are people mean to each other? Cyclops. Huh? It's Cyclops again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The article yeah. he writes about her is so mean. I feel like Cyclops, we, we, we mentioned he just shows up and stuff. Um, James Madsen, Marston. He finally got his due in, um, in um, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, he's great. I feel like he was a star. Like, he was excellent in that. But the thing is, like, when, when, he, when she finds out about the article that's written about her, he says, I told you to hold it, not to run it. It's not like he wasn't going to write the same story. He just didn't want it released at that time. Well, also, there's editing that happens, right? Like, you write yeah. something, and you're like, we need to tone this down. We need to change a couple things. So it wasn't mm-hmm. final draft in terms of, like, hold it as in we may want to rewrite some of this. Right. It's a so pretty big one, thing. The final one I watched was The Holiday. Oh. With, um, you know what's funny? So doing the opening credits when they're showing all the different couples and there's a voiceover, like I knew Jack Black's girlfriend was going to cheat on him. Like, oh, yeah. I playing the piano. I was like, oh, she's, she's going to cheat on him. <laughs> um, I like the concept of them sort of house swapping and having a holiday. I felt for her during that whole holiday party and like finds out that he's engaged to another coworker, and he shows up and tries to sleep with her and she's like are you still with her and he just kind of tries to brush it off i was like oh you flew all the way to la to try to like get some from homegirl and you're still you're still engaged you're still gonna marry this girl um but- i like the solutions in that better i liked how everyone's story sort of like it was honest when jack black's girlfriend calls him like he goes to meet her because he would do that but he makes the right decision and he's like okay this isn't for me so yeah i like the holiday a lot that was probably my favorite this week was a holiday oh jude law yeah jude Jude law Law is great in it he's like a single dad with these two girls and karen diaz and yeah yeah it was yeah that's one of my favorites honestly falls in love in two weeks which is my favorite part of all these movies (laughs) he's just a romantic at heart over the span of two weeks, that everyone's madly in love with each other and literally willing to shift their lives around for these people that just met. Best part. It's the best part of the movie. There was like good, good romantic comedy or drama. I'm trying to think about it, what it was, but like it took years, I feel like. Like it showed them taking years to actually. To me, that was. Um... I think I love my wife with, with Chris Rock and Kerry Washington. He's married and he, he ends up try, almost cheating on his wife. But like the movie takes place over the span of years. 
like this is his friend and it's some back and forth and he's sort of talking to her about her day life. But then at the end, like it had been a while them being friends when this thing happens. It wasn't like a month or two weeks. Huh. Um, cool. So rom-coms, I'm, I'm still surprised every week when you say what, what your newest one is that you haven't watched. Um, a lot I haven't seen. You're like four weeks, three weeks into doing this? Yeah. No more than that. Yeah, Ooh. more. Like I said, not probably not next week, but we, sh- we need to do When Harry Met Sally. No. We can do it. We can do that soon or next week. I've seen that one before. You've seen it. I've seen it. I have not. I think I have, but I get it mixed up with, um, is he a referee? Mm. Billy Crystal is a referee and he makes a really bad call and everybody hates him. I don't think so. Okay. Does, that, does that movie take place over years or like months? I don't, I don't listen. I've seen it before. I do not remember any of the details. We'll find out I've when we watch it. I've absorbed a lot about that movie without we'll having seen out. it. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. Kendon, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, let's start with the big one. Shalia and I watched Extraction on Friday. Thoughts on Extraction? Um, so f- I really, really liked what I saw. Um, I have in my room, we watched it in my room where I have my computer screen and a large screen connected to it above, like a big 55-inch TV. So I was playing uh, like a strategy game and watching the movie while Shalia was watching the movie. But the action was amazing. Um, it was pretty a cliched storyline in a lot of ways. But like I said, the action was amazing. Um, I listened to the Slash Filmcast uh, review on it, and um, one of the one of the hosts on there referred to how it it's basically a movie for the for the Call of Duty age, right? It really feels like you're playing Call of Duty level, um, and it was mentioning how different the way people hold guns, behave with guns, all of that um, is compared to things that were happening in the 90s and then he referenced the 80s, which is interesting because I feel like we've brought it up like with Commando and some of the other movies where they're just like completely holding assault rifles differently than you, you would use effectively, even Predator. Right. This one right here, people are extremely efficient. And actually, Shalia kind of jumped past my news item, which is related, but it's basically that they're still, that the John Wick are, uh, the John Wick directors are still, um, aiming for a March twenty or a May twenty first, two thousand twenty one um, release date, mm-hmm. and that is also like I saw a lot of that in like they call it like gun fu or gun kata, yeah. You know the the way that you move um, with the with the weapon is very efficient, very um, at, like impactful. And one of the things I really did like about this movie is that. Um, there's a this whole movie takes place mostly in Mumbai or do they go to they go to Bangladesh as well right mm-hmm. um did you watch it Tim yeah yeah there's a character in there who is Indian who is also kind of a badass and it's a badass in real life I don't know I'm just saying as I watched the movie I was like this is um novel to me like I'm I'm not used to the super heroic like he's basically behaving the way John Wick would like extremely efficient. And I was like, this is cool to see it not always be the white guy, even though it, it, it stars, um, uh, 
Chris Hemsworth. It was just really cool to see somebody else so competent. Like, but, the, you know, back to what you were saying, like, you, we've seen shifts in film all the time, right? The Matrix comes out, and everyone's doing matrixy things, right? And then it happens again with, um, with uh, Born Identity. Yep. Because everyone's shooting these really tight shots and these really close quarter fighting, and then it happens again now with John Wick. We're getting a lot of that gung fu, uh, really Long quiet. shots. Yeah, these long sequences, actual fight choreography mixed in with gunplay, like, so every few years, some action movie will come out and reinvent the way people try to shoot these type of things. Which is great. I mean, this is more impact of the, of the stunt coordinators getting more control behind the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, try, and who they're bringing in the John Wick people for some other big movie coming out. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think I, of it. I read it and I was like, oh, well, that's a good Was thing. it Matrix? Yes. The Matrix. Yes. The Matrix movie. Because the article that I was referring to earlier about John Wick, he's actually training for those both of those movies simultaneously. Matrix yeah, might have been the John Matrix. Wick 4. Yeah, might have been the Matrix they're bringing these guys in for, which is great. Give me some more of that. Yeah. And speaking, of, well, I feel like there's some connections to the Matrix when we get to our main review. <laughs> so in terms of extraction for me, because I was so excited to watch this and I waited for Kendon because he asked me to. Um, it was so good. And also I couldn't watch any of it. Like there's a lot of killing and a lot, a lot of killing. And so like, I was concerned, I was concerned with you watching it because it's so violent. Yes. And I didn't know that that would be a problem for me. Cause I like fighting. Like I, and so that was the thing I'm, I'm drawn in, I'm watching it. I like it. But then like people are dying while I'm watching it. And I'm so I'm looking away. It was really hard. To, it's like, it's like watching soccer where you have to watch really, really close to see what's happening. But then you don't yeah. also want to see what's happening. <laughs> I think there's certain type hard. of violence that you like, right? You can, like you mentioned, watching Age of Ultron. You can watch that because it's like bloodless violence. People go flying off, and you don't really see them, right? You know, you don't like like you seeing someone get shot in the chest twenty times, or like that's tough to watch. Yeah, a lot of headshots in this. Um, a lot of headshots. So that was like it was really weird because I'm like drawn to it and I want to look, but I don't really want to look. Um, yeah. And so it was really, really difficult. The and other thing that um, Kenna mentioned about the video games, like that is exactly how I had experienced trying to play those video games where like the camera's moving all around. I don't have a, quite a clear understanding of what's going on. <laughs> and like, and then I'm supposed to be like aiming and shooting and doing stuff. So like I could never right. play it, but it was a lot like watching um, and really cool how good and competent they were, which is one of my favorite things. Um, and then... Somebody else mentioned it is also kind of a white guy killing a whole bunch of brown people. But that was okay to me because, like you said, the Indian guy was also really good. And um, it's Chris Hemsworth, so he can do whatever he wants. Right. And they all have, they have like a lot of agency, right? Because it's, it's two factions mm. in a part of the world where it's like, yeah, we had to hire this one guy from outside of the culture. So, I but I felt like, Tim, I don't know if you, you picked up on the same thing, but I feel like there's a scene in there that has a really strong homage to Terminator 2. Yes. Yeah. So that was really fun to see. And we recommend it, right? Tim, you recommend it too? I recommend it, yeah. If you're, in, if you're okay with action and violence, it's, yeah. It's great. It's really good. So I don't know if, we, if this happened since we talked about it, but we, we completed the last episode of Community. Did we talk about that already? You finished the whole series? The whole series. Wow. 
uh, the final season <laughs> stars Keith David. They also yeah. bring in a new actress, uh, actress named uh, Paget Brewster. Um, what is her name in the show? It's Frankie. Frankie. There we go. Um, she's hilarious and a hilarious addition with a very different type of character. Mm-hmm. And then um, Keith David playing it entirely against type as like a commute, a computer nerd who's kind of stuck in the nineties. Right. Like the technology of the nineties. He's been stuck like in his trailer, like his RV home, like not paying attention to the development of the world. Anyways, it, it was very bittersweet. The end I mean, by the t- by the time the show ends, um, what's his, um, Donald Glover um, and Yvette Nicole Brown have both left the show, mm-hmm. um, so it has a whole different feeling. But the writing is still so sharp that it's kind of okay. It's it, it's fine. Like I really liked it. Um, Shalia was pretty impacted by the end of it, don't you think, Shalia? Yeah, it was sad. I was sad that it was ending. Everything was ending. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple more things. Um, One more is uh, there. I just came across a GQ video on YouTube called, Uh um, and it was Pharrell and Rick Rubin having an epic conversation and just listening to the way that they, that they think about music was very, was, was fascinating to listen to. So I would highly recommend it. It looks like there are a couple more, um, with I think Rick Rubin must be the um, must be the host because it looked like Rick Rubin and other people. And for people who aren't familiar, Rick Rubin was is a f- legendary uh, producer uh, who started off with uh, originally with Def Jam, so um, uh, Beastie Boys and Run DMC, and then even like a really great uh, Chili Peppers album uh, or a couple of Chili Peppers albums um, from the '90s, like the one with Under the Bridge. Um, so that was really, I would highly recommend it. And then another YouTube video from CGP Gray, who I have mentioned before, um, really liking his stuff. And it's, the video is called Lockdown Productivity Spaceship U. And he talks about, you know, what is important during this time where you're locked down and stuck in home. And one of them is, you know, to try to come out a better you or, or to come out the best that you can. And he uses... This is why I like it, and it's you know effective for me. He uses the um, analogy of a of a spaceship. Your your home is now like being on a spaceship for like two months, right? And you have limited space, so you mean to make sure that you delineate spaces for different purposes, and that'll help you come through the end um, instead of letting your different areas kind of bleed together. It's like you should you shouldn't have your creative space also be the place where you're sleeping uh, you know if you're able to do that um so anyways it was really effective for me um at trying to to visualize how best to to stay healthy and productive yeah so that's what i've got okay so what i have this week in addition to extraction is um I finally started and watched Lego Masters, uh, hosted by Will Arnett, and it's about comp- it's a competition reality show where they yeah. teams come Very on, mm-hmm. teams come on and they uh, make Lego, um, just different competitions of what they need to make for Lego. And 
like most things, I would say it it takes watching two full episodes to figure out if you like it or not. Um, Because I wasn't really feeling it for the first one and most of the second one. But by the end of the second one, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see how this goes. Is there enough Lego stuff in it for you? Yeah, yeah. There's lots of Lego. So they have um, the different competitions they have. It's kind of interesting because it's not things that I ever have built, like I would ever build. But then some of them are. And it gave me ideas and made me really excited and made me want to get Lego. So like I ended up at the kitchen table like, okay, when are we going to start <laughs> doing our own Lego? Um, so it was uh, it was good. And it's funny because Will Arnett has this like, you know, his dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Yeah. Um, but he's also like riffing on the fact that it's a reality show the entire time. So it takes, again, it takes a while to get into it because I'm like, okay, Will Arnett, like you're you're not meant to be a host. But then by the end, like there were some great moments where he was a really good host, I thought. And like, by the end, it was, um, it was fun. It was really fun. So I recommend it. Um, And I watched it all in a day. Like I, I didn't take, it was like a full day, but yeah. How many episodes are out though? I think maybe 10, 10 or 11, maybe 12. I don't know. 30 minutes, 30 minute episodes. Honestly, I don't know. I was it was just on Hulu, so I just had it playing. Do you know do you know if it's on Hulu or does it air on another channel? I think it airs on Fox. Okay. Um and then I watched it through Hulu. And I was working at the same time, so it, yeah, I just had it playing. Um so it was a long time, like if anyone was gonna sit and just like just watch it. But um but yeah, no, I just had it automatically going to the next episode. So I have no idea how many episodes they were and how long they were. But I made it through and I really, really enjoyed it um, and really liked their creations. It was fun. So, so. I'm, I'm about to show Shalia a quick video of this little Lego thing I saw somebody create. Using two magnets and a couple of chains, they're able to make something that suspends in air. Like a platform in air using the repulsion of the two magnets. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So the, the amount of like crazy clever things that people are making is just really awesome. That is like, okay, so yes, that is really cool. Also, it reminds me, one of the things about this competition is like the things that you see on like the cake decorating uh, competitions where after you make your thing, you have to move it and uh, you have to get it to the like judging area. And so you have to know how to carry it without it breaking. And like the oh. shifts and the sh- like the parts shifting and like there are, it does happen where they're on their way and, and their stuff falls or breaks and it doesn't make it to the judging table. So do you remember years ago we were at um, BritCon, which is the, the Lego convention in Seattle area. There's a guy who made this, this huge scale model of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Ended up having a conversation with him about how do you transport this thing? And he's like, I have these specific breakpoints. Where I can disassemble it into I don't know half a different just, uh, half a dozen parts that can fit into my truck bed, um, but it's like a constant like concern um, when you make something that, that's the size of a table or two. Like, yep, and like these are very like intricate pieces that are like they go high, and some of them do have like motors on them, and so like if it gets jangled a little bit, the motor won't work anymore. Um, so. That's, it was just like another component to have to think about for these competition shows. Um, but yeah. it was really, really fun. So I recommend it. Mm-hmm, I do, turns out. Legos um, have helped me keep my momentum while working as well. Yeah, they're pretty great. 
one of the guys is it's like there's a newlywed couple and the wife got into the guy's hobby um and so he's like been playing with lego since he was two years old and just like has been the whole time and so it's really cute and they're just like if we could just win because it's uh the prize is a hundred thousand dollars and they're like if we could just win we could buy a house um and start a family and like it's just really funny i was like oh i hope kendon or i was like i'm glad we have a house right now because i think if we were watching this before we had a house kendon would be like man i'm really messing up on my <laughs> on my ability to <laughs> acquire <laughs> or what is it my um my Lego skills, basically. I was so, worried Kenan would have a, like a midlife crisis watching it. <laughs> do, oh no, not midlife yet. Um, <laughs> quarter you, life. You would have had a quarter life crisis. Like, look at this guy, almost buying a house with Lego. Was Lego. There, Literally call it a Lego house. <laughs> I was gonna say, isn't there a song "Lego House" by uh, what's his name? Uh, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yep buy you a lego house also so the two judges are uh lego executives or not executives but they make lego for legos like what what do i say they are creative people at lego master builders yeah actually they they are master builders yeah yeah <laughs> they are master builders um and so it's so funny because at times they're like if you're ever in denmark i'd love to have you come by uh lego house we could like spend a couple hours making minifigs like were they talking to us because well i'll go back to the lego house <laughs> um they weren't talking well no they were talking to the contestants i think but anyway it was just kind of fun because we've been there and like yeah if you're ever in denmark like there's a one reason we ended up in denmark and that was lego <laughs> and, and then you know also little mermaid in copenhagen where and castles were all I thought like we went to go and see the out of africa house Yes, that's why we did it. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, the other thing, Tim, I just want to let you know, I have started Little Fires Everywhere. Um, Ooh, what do you think so far? I I have mixed feelings. I'm just in it. You are so unlikable. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Well, I like the kids. I really like Pearl. She's. I just adore her. Um, I, um, I'm in it. I'm watching it. But I'm having a hard time because this is so, 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 so similar to Pretty Little Liars, where Reese Witherspoon is an altogether uptight middle class mom. How yeah. did she get typecast as that? That's but weird she, to me. She's producing these. So it's not just typecast, she's voluntarily in it. Because my, my image of her is yeah. always going to be legally blonde. Yeah, exactly. And now she she's like up. this. I, yeah. But so she's, you know, and then a new family, a new single mom comes into town and she befriends her and has her kids be friends with the kid of the single mom. So like, I, it's hard for me to not see this as a TV show where I'm just like, okay, this is made. What episode are you on? I am almost on, I think I'm, I'm either finished with episode three or I'm almost finished with episode three. Oh, it picks up. It'll, yeah. it'll change. Your thoughts of it will change shortly. Yeah. I had a feeling. So I'm in it. I'm watching it. But I did. I was like, this seems a little formulaic. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we, get a, we get a backstory on uh, what's Carrie Washington character's name? Mia. Mia? Yeah. We get Mia's backstory and that, that will shift a lot for you. Well, yeah. I've been waiting for that because what's his face? Um, has clearly has a role and I love him so much. So I'm excited to like, uh, the guy on the train. He's from... Um, yes. 
from uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. Jesse Williams. Yes, I love him. I yep. like so. I'm yep. I'm excited. All that, all that will make the, they're gonna explain all that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna be like, oh no, what is going on here? Exciting. So friends, I'll let you know how it goes, but just know I've started it. Um, okay, so that's what we've been doing. Are you guys ready to talk about ghosts? I'm ready to talk about ghosts. All right. Hello? I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. Ghost. Who made Ghost? Who's in it? Ghost is from the year 1990. Mm-hmm. Directed by... Jerry Zucker. Do you know what else Jerry Zucker did? Nope. I know this was like his first solo. His first solo. He produced a lot. Um, and directed, wrote a bunch, Top Secret, a bunch of Airplane, wrote a, did a bunch of comedies. Which is odd. So anyway. Airplane. Uh, huh? Airplane? Yeah. I haven't seen Airplane, so that's on the list. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you've not seen Airplane. Anyway, yeah. star the late Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, Tony Goldwyn, who we've had in here before, right? Have we? Whoopi Goldberg? No, Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn. Friend. Have no. we had him yet? The president from Scandal? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yes i feel him. he was either in something else recently like that we're watching in the 20s or he was in something we talked about from yeah because yeah, we've talked about just, it he was just in something we talked about yeah and how i could never take him seriously even in scandal because he's this guy to me like skeezy friend trying to get in on your girl skeezy is an understatement Anyway, so that's what it stars, and it's about uh, Sam Wheat, who works at, what does he work for, a bank? What does he work for? Yeah, he works for like a, he's a banker. Yeah, bank. He's a, they he call him a banker answer. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. He, he discovers a bunch of money that's sort of been tucked away, and his friend has him killed. It's supposed to be like a mugging, but he's looking for these codes to access these, these funds. And then his ghost is sort of stuck in limbo. So he contacts Whoopi Goldberg randomly, like sees her psychic place, contacts her to help, have her help warn Molly, played by Demi Moore, about the murder. And as he's following around as a ghost, he, he sort of essentially is being a detective for his own murder and trying to put it together. Hey, Tim, mm-hmm. you know what's funny is, so yeah. we're, we're recording on Zoom. And Tim um, is using the feature which allows you to put a background up. He's sitting in the Millennium Falcon. But the the effect looks very similar to the ghost effect. It does. Like, you know, yeah. Being placed on top of the background. It looks very similar. (laughs) Um, So this movie is funny in a lot of ways because the thing that we romantic... I'm going to jump ahead. When you think about ghosts, the thing they romanticize a lot is 
the song that they play and Demi Moore and Dick Swayze having this sort of romantic moment. But when you watch the movie, it's like it's Whoopi Goldberg and his body. Yeah. And he's in Whoopi Goldberg's body during the scene. We never see that angle of it, but he's in Whoopi Goldberg's body where she's like, you can use me. And they're having this romantic moment in their house. I, thought, that always... rom- I thought the romantic moment everybody was thinking is the, the clay moment because it's, it's the, the same beginning. song. It's the same song. Yeah. Right. Okay. But at the end, there's other romantic moments that happens. Yeah. And actually will be going bro so out loud it's actually will be goldberg and what's funny to me is um i mean there is a lot of comedy about this after the fact where people are making fun of it and being like yeah like this is what's happening um i remember that scene I, i know this movie really well i loved it watched it a lot um i remember that scene as it's whippy goldberg and demi moore doing this um, so watching it for this this episode, I was like, oh, they don't actually show Whippy Goldberg in this scene. It's actually Patrick okay. Swayze in the scene because I've pictured her the whole time. And I'm not sure what <laughs> what visual I saw like that was probably making fun of it. But that's the visual I have in my head from this movie. Right. So this is Swayze. This is after Dirty Dancing, after Roadhouse, and right before Point Break. So this is what we catch Swayze at. So he's he's in his sweet spot. He is about to be an action star. He's a heartthrob. He's can be a tough guy because he just did, you know, Roadhouse, but he's also sort of America's sweetheart. So he's he's kind of perfect. I, I'm trying to think who else would have played him during the time. Keanu Reeves, maybe? Like, I don't know who yeah. else. Uh, and we. Well, yeah. Patrick Swayze was like an original. Yeah, I think he was he was perfect for this. And Demi War was pretty perfect too because she was coming out of the 80s as like adorable. Like she's this adorable pixie haircut always. Um uh what's the movie? Endless Summer or Long Long Crazy Summer? The the summer movie with John Cusack. Like she is just like this cute actor who's like adorable. And then like you've got her in this and then like it's pretty soon she's going to be GI she, she did one crazy summer 4 years before that. And then this was right before Nothing But Trouble and The Butcher's Wife. And Decent Proposal is four years later. Mm-hmm. Years later. When the strip tease? That's way after that. Oh. Um, so so- she's she just turning into sort of like a sexier sex symbol, right? She's coming out of that cute phase and being like, you know, sex symbol in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. She's a young adult. She actually lives on her own, not like... Yeah, she lives on her own. She's a, she's a, she's an artist. In New York Times? In New York. Yeah. Um, so, like, this... So, when I think of Ghost, I think of romance. Like, total romantic movie. Um, yeah. And it is. It's the Righteous Brothers version of that song playing. Yeah. It's those, like, touching moments of the clay scene in the beginning and the dance scene in the end. Um, and, those, and those moments where, where Whoopi's sort of like 
translating for Sam and she's like, oh, remember that one time we were here on vacation and we took this picture and you're wearing this sweater. These are all very, those are all very touching moments. Touching moments, yeah. And just like a lot of it, like Molly, like how hard it is to lose your person and like Molly's yeah. struggle and like Demi Moore's face is just so sweet. Like she is so sad. She's been crying and her, they do it really well, I think. Um, and then in the end, like getting to say goodbye to that person that you love and like knowing that they're going and being able to say goodbye because they didn't have that the first time. So like, there's this like beautiful, I think, love story going on. What's funny is that that's like, that's for me, the foundation that makes this movie amazing. And then you have this other like mystery thriller revenge plot that is like interplayed. And that's where I put Whoopi Goldberg's character. Cause it's like, um, she's part of that. Carl's part of that. Like, everybody else is part of this other thing that I cannot stand. <laughs> and like, honestly, I was like, this is, this makes the movie um, hard to watch. It's like a little disjointed, like take out all of that other stuff and just give me Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore being in love. Because <laughs> why is he trying to contact her just to say bye? He's trying to save her life. I had the reverse. I had the reverse feeling. Take out the, ro don't lean on the romance. I think that was the weaker part for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it it was because the movie, the plot, all of that was focused around something else, not the romance. And like, but those scenes are the best scenes in the whole movie. Like, those are the ones that are just like, whoa, like this is that's what gets you. Not are well, the best scenes in the whole movie. So yeah, I, let's see. Let's let's. Discuss. I would disagree. I mean, <laughs> not that it's what got you, but and this is kind of a preview of what my favorite thing is, but. First of all, I saw there was a lot, I felt like there was a lot of connection to the Matrix in this. Do um, tell. Well, so first of all, the, the whole move, well, there's a lot of subway, being on the subway train, which is a uh, subway platform scene with the subway ghost, mm -hmm. which yeah. I really like that actor. Um, I was just looking up his name. Um, he passed away years ago, didn't he? Yeah, in 2005. His he name is Vincent Chiavelli. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most like uh, distinctive faces you'll ever see. Um, and it's really like, there, I was listening to a podcast recently where the guy brought it up. He was like an astrophysicist and he's like talking about how it took him out of the movie that the ghosts can stand on the ground yet they can't push things. And I was like, they're not really there. In fact, now that I've rewatched it, he can't, he, they can't even see him. Right. So his body is just a manifestation for himself of what he looks like, but he's really just a force. And I think that I felt like um, the subway ghost was playing kind of a Morpheus slash, uh, what do you call it? Um, the Oracle role, something like that. Like he's like, use all of your emotions, like your powerful emotions to move something. Your hand isn't there. Like it, it doesn't exist. And so I felt like his ability to manifest some force into the real world made me think of in the matrix, him learning that he can manipulate the world in a way that's different than what he thought. Right. Yeah. If I just use the sinews of my muscles in the, in the quote unquote muscles in the, um, within the matrix, I can't do all of this fast stuff. Right. Yeah. But once I'm understanding that, that there's a code behind all of this and I can look at what's in between the code, mm -hmm. then I'm able to do something I wasn't able to do before. So that's the main matrix comp like comparison. 
And um, for people who have or who may not recall, like the second Matrix movie, or is it the third? The second one where they spend a bunch of time on that uh, subway platform. Mm-hmm. So even visually, it was reminding me of that. Also, he's special. Yeah, special. He's the one. He's the one for her. <clears throat> okay, so it's interesting in that. Um, so Patrick Swayze has the codes for the bank that his friend needs. Oh, because Patrick Swayze found it, right? He found all these accounts with too much money in them and it's like, this is weird. And it turns out that the friend had been doing it, but he didn't figure it out. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know. Um, He's killed before he even figures it out. Yeah, he just fixes that. And so then the friend's like, damn it, I need his code again. So all this is supposed to be is a stick up. Like he's just supposed, like Willie Lopez is just supposed to take that black book and be done with it. Like that's it. That's all he's supposed to do. Um, but he ends up, they end up with a struggle and he ends up getting shot and dying. And that scene is so well done. So one of the things I really appreciate. Oh, well yeah. And like, there's a lot of those that are like, so like they're fighting, you hear the gun and then you see them running, like you see Willie running away and you see Patrick Swayze running after him. And it's just like effortless, very smooth. Oh, it's so convincing. And then you realize that like only part of him is still running after him. It was like, whoa. And they did like a, a, a different type of shot earlier on that I think kind of shows what we're leading into which is um when Patrick Stacey and Demi Moore are moving into their uh new apartment um I don't know what you call that like it seems like a loft but um they're they're both helping the movers and Carl's there too helping the movers bring in that angel statue and somebody has a mirror and he's like where do you want this and then she's like in the bedroom or something so then they like pull it away and so it 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 before you know when you are actually watching them through the mirror, the mirror is coming away and you realize that's what you're seeing. And I thought it was really interesting because like, yeah, they it it was it was a clever shot that they did without me knowing they were setting it up necessarily. Like I didn't see how that happened. So best editing, it was um so this movie had a whole bunch of nominations for Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Original Score. Best Supporting Actor for um, Whippy Goldberg, um, or female actor in a supporting role. Supporting actor, yeah, female actor in a supporting role. I think we're or we're still saying supporting actress then. Um, oh, and editing, <laughs> film editing, which I was like, yeah, because this was really well done for film editing. I think. And, and one thing I go ahead. I was gonna say connected to editing. I think as far as setting things up. I think it did a good job like that. So Shalia mentioned the the mirror and then him running and realizing that he's, and us realizing his body is still back there. And and I think that they also do a good setup when, um, when some, one of the, Otome, Otome starts to be able to see uh, other dead people or communicate with other dead people. And one of them decides to take her body over. Mm-hmm. And then we learn pretty organically that um that you get drained it's a really big drain for you to be to go into somebody else's body which right. plays plays a plot point later so i feel like they really thought about how things are going to fit together um and i appreciated that from the movie like i don't think i was sitting there poking many holes in the logic of this movie really like within its own internal logic it seemed pretty consistent and willing to set things up for the audience i agree and 
I, one thing I appreciated was um, watching it now. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like the the different times in which the bad guys plot was like foiled and they had to regroup and figure out what to do in my mind mm -hmm. that stuff would happen really quickly and in most mm -hmm. movies now i would expect that to be happening really fast but realizing that in 1990 this movie made in the 80s right they're making it in 89 um they don't have cell phones like that they don't have like the ability to communicate on the spot so like they have to wait until Willie gets home to answer the phone. Or we have to wait until Carl goes to Willie's house to talk to him about this versus like the instant communication. <laughs> exactly. So like Carl's like, you know, threatening Demi Moore. He's like, I'm going to kill her if you don't have this taken care of by 11. I'll be back at 11. And it's like, why would you leave? And then realizing that like, he has to leave because he can't, he can't do his other plans in the meantime. Like he has to go do his other stuff so then he can come back. Yeah. One of the other that I really enjoyed in this film is they don't really talk much about heaven or hell but when Sam dies when he's in the hospital and people die you see this kind of nice light comes down it's very glittery looks very peaceful but when Willie dies it is some scary stuff these people yeah. come out of shadows and grab him and drag so and it never really it, it never makes like a religious point or any biblical anything you just kind of you're witnessing it and you're like oh you can put two and two together like because well, it doesn't look like he's necessarily going to hell. Like, it, it looks like heaven imagery, right? Light coming from, but it looks like he's being consumed or like by these evil spirits, but you don't have any corresponding red, right? Nothing like, oh, it's going to be heat and like torture. Well, I don't think he's going so, anywhere nice. No, yeah. no, not anywhere nice, but. <laughs> so, okay, a couple things. First, um, the guy in the hospital who's waiting for his, oh, that was so sweet too. The old guy in the hospital and he's waiting for his wife who's in cardiac arrest and she's fighting it. And so he's just like waiting for her. And it, oh, it was so sweet to me. I'm like, oh, like, it's okay, baby. Like you can let go. He's right there. Um, but like, I don't know, family members are probably there too sad about it. So maybe she doesn't want to die yet. But anyway, he tells Patrick Swayze like, oh, that guy's lucky. It could have been the other guys. So that's when you have like an understanding of like, okay, so it's not all this like bright light. It, yeah. there's, an, there's an alternative that hap that could happen. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, when Willie, well, okay. So Willie's death is also amazing where they have him like hit, killed his body or no, his, he flies out. And then you realize yeah. like they did it again and they tricked me again. I already saw it once. And yet I didn't realize again that like, this is the spirit, not the, not the body of Willie. Like when he gets up and I'm like, Oh, he's there pinned in the but, cars. But he, the cat scratch is gone. Yeah, the cat scratch is well, kind of, another setup which is the first earlier setup. in the movie. Yes, yeah. it is the first setup, but it, you kind of figure it out like as soon as he starts moving, you're like, oh wait, no, that's not, like he wouldn't, he, yeah, as soon as he starts moving, you figure out. But okay, so in terms of the like little uh, shadow creatures that take him, so that is supposed to be kind of scary. And I think probably as a kid, I thought it was scary, but they're so funny. Like they have these, these little like cut out eyes and like oh, they're like little like hands that <laughs> like, that kind of undercut them for me yes it because did i feel Just, like the first time you see it i didn't see the eyes i saw the eyes definitely when carl got grabbed mm -hmm. and i was like that's not necessary just make them shadows yeah and yeah. then shadows and then it would have been, I think, good if they would have just, like, consumed him and, like, brought him down into the ground. Because it, it looks like they bring him into, like, a back corner down. Yeah. 
but it looks comical the way that you see his face like help me as they like drag him away and then it looks funny again when carl's doing it so i'm like oh like that was a little bit of a so i'm I'm kind of wondering do you guys think that those are other ghosts because i use the word consume because i imagine that he's being dragged away to be consumed by like essentially like the jackals of the afterlife yeah whatever that is yeah like, not that he's going to prison to, to like spirit prison for instance i don't know i mean where's patrick Swayze going to join the he's going to have he's also dissipating like i think mm-hmm. i think they're going to the same situation i don't know which one it is i i think they're going i think they have different fates like not mirrored fates i don't you know like heaven and hell are mirrored are mirrored in that one is a wonderful place to go and the other is a terrible place to go, but they're two places to exist in. I didn't get the impression that Carl and Willie are going to places. Instead, they are going to be torn apart, consumed. Like they they might remain on this plane as this, like tortured as these dissipated Hmm. beings or something like that yeah you could be right i i took it as they were being taken they were being dragged down like they're like they end up going to to back yeah yeah they end up going to a dark corner and it's it's down versus up yeah um but but you could be right that they stay on this did you see them physically go down into the ground no you don't see them go down into the ground but what you see is as like there's a, a street lamp and as they're pulling him he ends up down at the bottom of the street lamp like versus patrick Swayze, who would be going up up like they huh. they the angle that they pull him at is is back and down so you see him go or it's like under a car it's like willie like you see mm-hmm. he goes to the floor or to the street level it's excuse me but it's definitely more ambiguous or it's left ambiguous for you back to tim's point that they didn't make it a specific religious spirit like like uh no. reference mm-hmm. so i liked that it made it more relatable i think so are you guys ready to talk about otome yeah uh, well i think we should talk about willie before that because i think it ties in okay let's talk about willie i kind of feel like the brown people people of color um experience in this movie was really a detriment to me um willie was just this randomly like basically greasy Puerto Rican guy who was committing all of the crimes at the same time. It's like, well, like he's like, Oh, it's, he's going to rape her. He's already doing breaking. Yeah. Hearing. He's shooting people. He's just like, and he doesn't care. He has like, no, he was just like a tool for the movie. Like, and I actually, I honestly feel like I would have appreciated the movie, not just because of being bothered by the way he was portrayed, but if that character was completely looped out of the movie, I think um, you could make a better movie if Carl was more of the antagonist and there was more of, more of a focus on him. Um, yeah. But Willie yeah. tells Carl he did it for free. What? Yeah. Just, like, because he's just born to be like, bad and uh, to be a criminal. Yeah, he's just an evil person. <laughs> he did and, the thing for free. But I agree. Wow. I think it would have been good to leave Willie where it was. Like, Willie was hired to rob him, to get that book. He killed him. 
that's what ends up happening. And then you move past it. So now other stuff is happening and Carl has to deal with that and maybe hire somebody else or does it himself. Yeah. Um, but instead of hiring the same guy. Because how much contact does a guy want, like that want to have with a character like Willie? Like there's a lot of, and he tells him too much stuff. He like actually gives him like, so much information. He's like, these, I owe the money to these people. If you don't do this, they're going to like, that's giving leverage to this person who commits crimes reflexively. And how do they know each other? It's a good question. Well, he, he, you know what it is. It seems like one of those things where a certain, a person from a certain world knows a friend who does Coke or something like that. Right. And he's like, I need to find a person who can do a crime. Like we're the I know criminals. Yeah, it, it's like it seems like he didn't really. He, he essentially Googled, "I need a goon." Like <laughs> a goon who's going to stick with you through all of this. Yeah, through all of it. We're free. free. Yeah, and he wasn't giving Willie. It'd be one thing he was like, "I'm going to pay you more money, or yeah. I'll double the price." None of that is in the conversation. He's like, "Just go kill these people." He's like, "Okay." Here's my guess. Willie is Carl's drug dealer. They both owe these guys a lot of money, which is how they ended up in the laundering thing. Willie, like he's actually part of it of like, Carl, you got to do this laundering thing. Carl's idea. Like I could help you get laundered money. And so like they're both in it together against this like cartel bad guy person. But I have two counterpoints to that. One of them is that he's explaining to Willie who he like who he owns owes money to and all of this other stuff. And two, Willie's too much of a loose cannon to be involved in an organization like this. Why do you say he's a loose cannon aside from just murdering people? That's what I mean. He doesn't seem like he's planning anything ahead. He's just kind of going about doing he doesn't seem like he's a person who's in an organization. He he went I don't to think do he's it. in he was supposed to do a simple robbery. He murders a guy. Yeah. Not, that's not what you need. No. He Although he didn't knife. mean to. Like, that was the other part. I, I, was, a, I was glad to see. I was like, why did Parker Stacey have to, like, go and fight him? Like, just give him what you have, right? Like, thinking about those situations of, like, what, how are you going to react? just starred in Roadhouse. But also, he didn't. Something else happened. He hit Molly or he... Something about Molly and then Patrick Swayze reacted. So I was like, okay, good. He, my memory of it was a little false. He didn't just like testosterone hit and be like, bah. Like it was, he did something to Molly. And so then he, like Patrick Swayze reacted. But they were, they were scuffling. Like the guy didn't plan, Willie didn't plan to shoot him. Um, He's not remorseful or anything. He just like, oh yeah, no. he goes back home. Yeah. Are you getting kind of uh, although we don't see him Batman? for several days, we don't see Willie again until well after the funeral. Were you getting Batman um, flashbacks? Heck yeah, I was looking for the pearls. A little bit, yeah, exactly. He's kind of Joe Chillish. Joe Chill. Um. So yeah, I mean, I let me just. I don't think that my theory is correct. First of all, but I, but let me just critique or not critique. Let me clarify my theory of. Willie's not part of the organization. He's just a random, like, dealer. So he just gets it. He's just, like, a go-between. This guy is, like, jumped over Willie to the the real guys, and now they're both in it. That's where I, I, I agree that he doesn't seem like he would be um, actually a member of this, like, 
Botticelli. I forget what the name guy was. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got Willie. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you can now Oda May <clears throat> and like, now lives across Oda the street. Yep. So we have like the I I don't know where Patrick's I wish I knew New York better. I don't know where Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore live. Like the Upper East Side. You've got the banking um office and places where they are. Um, but then you have like the brown people. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got Willie and then Oda May lives there too. And like a lot of bystanders are brown people. Um, there's a lot of black people in this movie. Like no. whenever any of the murders happen, like they're there. Black people, yeah. 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 Like, oh man, that guy, man. Oh, I saw that. I heard that from across the block. Um, but so he randomly finds Oda May who is a fake psychic. Can't really uh, hear anybody, but just kind of plays the part. And what's funny to me is like her sisters also could do that. Like the the reason she does it is because it's connected to their mom who could. And yet of all of them, she's the one, which is probably the better actor or something. I don't know. Um, But yeah, so she can hear Patrick Swayze for real. And he forces her. He absolutely forces her to help him. You said she's the better actor. <laughs> Wouldn't it be interesting if she was one of the sisters, and the, one the like uh, one of the other two sisters is the one who's actually doing it, and then she in the scene starts hearing an actual one. It would be, but I think <laughs> the cool thing is the sisters both seem kind of like sidekicks, right? And one of the things about Oda May is like she has had fake IDs, and mm-hmm. she's a con woman. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's part of it too, which is probably why she's the one doing this and the sisters are helping. Um, yeah, actually, I think that is why she's the one. But so he, it's interesting because like ordinarily I would be like, fuck this guy. Like he should not be able to like make her help him just to like do that. But they were smart in the movie by making it life or death. Like he overhears Willie talking to somebody on the phone. He doesn't know it's Carl yet. He hears Willie talking and he's like, oh my gosh, he's going to go after Molly again. He's going to go back there. She's in danger. And so it's interesting because it's like, well, that's, that's where you get forgiven. Like you can, you can coerce or force people to do anything you want to do if you're doing it to help somebody else, like to protect somebody's life, especially someone you love. So it's like, okay, yeah, you can do this. Cause like, otherwise you're an asshole. Like, and, he's and, like, you know, you're going to help in, me. He was in Molly's house. He saw him. He saw yeah. him was actually doing it. And and is fearful, like he's gonna kill her. Yeah, but I feel like he was also using her to to fuck over Carl. Well, so that's that hits later. That's the interesting thing. So like it starts with you have to help me. You're gonna help me. Very white privilegey feeling, and then being like, okay, but also somebody's in 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 real danger. Um, and then it turns when he figures out what happened, and Carl has it set up. Carl gets the book. He has it set up. They put the money under Rita Miller. Um, that's where he could have left it alone. Like, she's not in danger anymore. Carl's laundering the money. Just let it go. You've been murdered. The end. But instead, he decides he needs revenge. And he needs to, like, not revenge. Um, vengeance? Vengeance. He needs vengeance. Like, he's like, I'm going to stop them from getting the money. And that is where the actual, like, Molly's life is put in danger again. Oda May's life yeah. is put in danger again. Like, if he would have just let it be, they would have just moved on. I but some... also, Carl has started moving in on Molly. 
So I oh, think partially yeah, I think vengeance and partially like, oh, you're going to have dinner with her tomorrow, are you? Nope, because I'm going to steal your money. Pour coffee on himself like, oh my gosh, the coffee. You know? I, I just want to sit here with my shirt off. Yeah. But I, I need yeah. some legal advice from you, Shalia. Or, um, so if you go and commit fraud and get four thousand or $4 million checkout and then give it to nuns, will they not prosecute you? Like he's saying, oh, I'm saving you by making sure that you don't keep the money. But if you steal a bunch of money. You still stole the money. You still stole the money. So I have no idea. Legally, I'll tell you my opinion, which is um, he didn't say she was, she was at, vulnerable to the police. She, she was vulnerable to those guys finding her and killing her. Like think about Ocean's t 13, right? Like you've got you've got the or is it oceans 12 they've got the money and now you've got andy garcia coming after you like where's my money so like they know her enough to like track her down um if she was rolling in four million dollars they'd be watching and they'd find her so like that was more not the like that you have fraud now she did commit fraud but nobody's going to no one's going to prosecute that because that was illegal anyway like that was an illegal account no one's going to be like hey she stole four million dollars from me because they can't they can't go to the police and say that. So the fraud itself wasn't the thing. It's more like you're in danger if you try to use this money. I thought. I think that's a good reply. I mean, but she does give the money away. She says she doesn't have it. And Carl's like, you're lying to me. So you're dealing with criminals of that sort. So not having it and not rolling in it doesn't mean that it's not somewhere that she knows where it is. Okay, but also same day. But, but she does. So like, I gave it to the church. Sorry. Like, what are you going to do to the shelter? Like move it on. But like, um, that was also the same day. So like, he doesn't know that that cat, like that check probably hasn't been cashed yet. Like they haven't actually deposited the cashier check or they might have, but he doesn't know all that. Cause that information doesn't move that fast right now. So like in a couple of days, they're going to be like, where's the money? And they're going to find out that it's at the church. But right now, all he knows is the money is not where it's supposed to be. And that she is, Rita Miller. That's all. That's all he really knows. So like, it's not like he's not going to be able to figure out where it went. But like in the, that very day, he doesn't know. I think this comes to the reason why I'm kind of on this is because it comes to the fact that I do not like Patrick Swayze's character. He is. He seems very cavalier with putting other like Odame in particular into danger, and also his plans he doesn't explain them ahead of time say this is what you're going to say and then at one point like leaves her to mm -hmm. and she's a con woman which means that she's gonna she's gonna fall back on those skills and she's overly <laughs> talkative she keeps doing it but which you know it might be that that's a compulsion a part of her personality but he's like telling her the number or the things to say as she's in the situation so you're right and let's talk about that. Like, let's keep talking about that. Let me just put in there um, in terms of the whole check and what she should have done with it and all of that. Molly wasn't supposed to show up to the bank that day. Like that was like a, Oh shit, things are going sideways right now. So like no one was supposed to be like, Oh, it was Oda Mae Brown at the bank. So she was supposed to be getting out of that and like be out and they weren't supposed to know about her, but Molly saw her and then tells Carl she saw her. So like, that's where it like gets her back in it. Um, but that only reinforces so, the point 
of Wait. you plan ahead. Yeah, if you plan ahead. Yeah, wrong. just in case Molly shows up and recognizes you and tells Carl. Like I'm telling you, like I think in that piece, that's where it goes wrong. And like you say, he leaves her. He leaves her because Molly shows up. She's not supposed to be there. And he's like, "What's going on?" And so he tries to like block Molly from seeing her. So like in that moment, I don't know that what he would have done better. But leading up to that, it's terrible. Like he's terrible the way he's like guiding Otome into this and like having her do the transaction. So the, the, the point of what I said was he left her without instruct, like without instruction how to go next. Not that he left her. That was a smart move to go and knock the paper off and that sort of thing. I'm saying that the, the uh, product, the result of not pre-planning or, or pre-going through things means that if he does have to go and do that, all she has to fall back on are her typical skills um, of, of you know, making things up as she goes along. Or she could have just been quiet. So she is also terrible in this. Like, I can't fucking stand terrible. her. Like, just shut up. Like, you don't have to say any of this stuff. Stop talking. I'm coming from the point of view is she, she might have to. Like, that might be what she, she's, she has a record for doing things, all of this sort of thing. This is just her personality. So you're not necessarily going to change her into somebody who's all of a sudden reserved and thoughtful about their words and their actions when she's a day or two into this weird situation. Okay, but she, you also said she's a con person. She should be able to shut her mouth. Like, the fact that she can't not talk to him, like, she's just talking to him all the time. What'd you say? Blah, 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 blah. Like, all the time. She's saying it out loud, talking to him. Like, she should know better. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. But she would not do it. Which, on, which means that Patrick Swayze was, was not present of my like couldn't assess the situation and say this is the tool I'm, I'm working with you know what i mean like i, I it, to me it keeps coming back to patrick swayze just being like just do this not you know what this is the situation okay this is who i'm dealing with this is the way she behaves and it continues to happen after having had instances where she keeps acting like that do you think that if he explained it to her ahead of time, she would have gone smoothly with it? Like, she yes. argues with him constantly. But they can have that argument when he's telling her stuff, right? But when somebody's talking in your ear, and you're supposed to pretend like they're not there, but if somebody's talking in your ear, you're more likely to, to respond to that person. Like, if somebody says, say this thing, you're like, what? Versus if you knew that ahead of time. <clears throat> so it's that interaction of another person in your ear trying to feed things through to you that mm -hmm. I think causes that additional, um, that, that, that additional need for a reaction. Because she doesn't know she's going in there to get $4 million. I yeah, mean, but that's she already... was fucking up before that. Yeah, she is, He's but like, this is an example. Here's the account number, 190143. 190143. Was that right? Like... No, no, Why are you I, asking I him if it's you. right? He'll tell if you if some it's not of right. It, some of it is, I'm just saying that there would be less of it, right? If she wasn't already doing all these other things, her saying, is that right, is less suspicious than all of the other preventable things. You get what I'm saying? I just feel like he makes it worse. I don't disagree that he did not go about it the most effective way with her. I also cannot stand her. She's kind of a character, caricature. Like it's, yes. it's very hard to watch her in this. 
Although I did think it was very funny that she gave $4 million to some nuns and she's later going to go on and do sister act. Yeah. Want to get that money. Yeah. <laughs> um, that could be the same character. I mean, if we assume that Oda May can sing a bit, I could see her going out to Reno. Yeah. And, ch- and changing her life up. Escaping the mob. So this is a prequel to, to Sister Act. This is a prequel. To, they're in the same cinematic universe. Nice. I like it. Did you guys love her outfit? I forget what he told her to wear. Like a nice dress or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, so, that was that. hilarious. <laughs> it was really funny. It was, it's like, it cracks me up every time. Like, this time too. I'm just like, look at you. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Carl is a good actor. Like, his, like, sweaty, frat boy, like, I'm in yeah. trouble thing. That um, sweat was, it was very there. That's yeah. the best way for me to put it. So it's kind of funny that he ended up being president because I was just like, you're a bad guy and ghost. I can't take you. He's a a bad guy for for real. So this movie is not supposed to be scary, right? It is a kind of a mystery thriller situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not supposed to be scary. So, and it's, and then it's also just known as being romantic. Like, I think this is known as a romantic movie as well. Like people think of it as one of the romance movies. Um, Mm -hmm. So we start the movie and it's like Paramount Pictures, something else. And then it's like this loud music and it just goes ghost. And it's so scary and it like made me jump. <laughs> like make Carmade jump. Kendon, did you jump? Um, my back was to it, but I was definitely like, what? What was that all about? Yeah. Well, we replayed it for you so you could see it and you were sitting on the couch and we were telling you to watch. Do you remember? But by then you- I already knew something was supposed to be happening. Oh. Uh, but anyway, it was like funny because I was like, this is not this is not the opening that I would expect for this movie. Right. Um <laughs> This movie was was kind of all over the place as far as tone. It tries to do a lot. Yeah. You know, so it's a sign of the times with movies in that era, early nineties. Um. Okay. So speaking of that, do does there are there any influences? I can't really think of it. I mean, there's. Just I, I can't think of any, but I know that I've seen some movies where it's like somebody for whatever reason is hit is uh dead or visible or whatever and they're trying to get six man six man the basketball movie with cream kadeem harvison and marlon wayans oh okay not wait wait you don't mean joanna man no the six man (laughs) well he helps them he helps university of washington like do well what what school you know really well, you've never seen The Sixth Man? I don't, I don't know that I did, or it came out at a point where I wasn't really thinking of U-Dub like that. <clears throat> yeah, U-Dub. They have these really cool, like, black jerseys they wear, I think, or, like, dark purple. I remember thinking those jerseys were dope, and U-Dub yeah. wasn't wearing them in real life. <laughs> I have, yeah. a, like, a, bla- a black and dark purple, like, uh, football jersey, like, like, uh, like that, like, U-Dub Huskies one. Like they, those colors do look really good. Look really good with the gold. So, so yeah, in a movie like that. So there's also like a lot of comedy that has come from this, um, like just making fun of it and memes and all of that. Um, and then I, I think Demi Moore's um, stardom also 
was supported by this. Like this is her love love Ooh. movie. Um mm-hmm. and she's in it and I think she does a great job. It's frustrating at times where you're like, Molly, just get on board. But <laughs> but I think Debbie Moore did a good job herself. Um and so like yeah, leading into like indecent proposal and um mm-hmm. going forward, I think this movie helped with that. This is the thing, you know, when you, when it's a movie like that it has so many Academy Award nominations. Um so many eyeballs are on, so so many people are seeing her at that time. Mm-hmm. You no, know, which you can imagine is a, a hell of a career booster. I'd like to say I, I think also that this the movie does a good job with them doing smart things to convince her that he's actually there. Yes, they do. So, do you have any influences? I I really can't think of many. Although the the whole like somebody not being able, not pretending that they can do something and then all of a sudden actually being able to do it. Like when she, she's like, I can hear somebody. I can actually hear like, like, and then trying to play off the fact that like she should be able to hear ghosts, but now she can actually hear a ghost. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen versions of that, the, of that scene um, before. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was fun. Other influences on your side, Tim? No, other than The Sixth Man and like any other sort of like ghost movie. I mean, I think what we've seen now recently is there aren't any cute ghost movies. There's no Caspers. There's no, it's either something like The Stranger or something where, you know, it's other ghosts living in the house that they don't, someone doesn't realize they're dead. It's that kind of movie, right? Where someone's dead the whole time, they don't realize it. I won't, I won't spoil a recent movie, but that was the plot of a recent movie that I just watched <clears throat> late last year. I was like, oh, of course. Someone's a ghost. Um, uh, so yeah, but but the, in those movies, these ghosts can interact and touch people and talk to people, and they don't, you know, no one's none the wiser of it. You know what else is like that? The drone. We did is, just watch that. Is he a ghost? Uh, it's a spirit. No. Yeah. yeah. He's a ghost in the shell. Yeah. I ghost liked the drone. drone better, and I like this movie. So, what are your favorite? <laughs> what are your favorite things about this movie? Uh, just the way it's shot, like you talked about, the mirror shot, the shot when he gets murdered, uh, the the shot, the stuff that shot on the subway. Like it's just a very well shot movie, and I did not remember it being that well shot. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, Kendon. The logical setups, I appreciated that. You know, you can poke holes in the logic, but some of the obvious holes that a lesser version of this would make aren't there. They set mm-hmm. things up pretty organically. And then my actual favorite thing though is the subway ghost, especially once he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And the subway ghost is like, uh, and then he's like, becomes like a kind of a regular guy. But then I also like at the end of that, he kind of flips and he's like, I wasn't supposed to die. They pushed me. I didn't commit suicide. I'm like, Ooh, I think you did. <laughs> Wait, you think he did? I think he did. I think the way. No, he was pushed. He says he was pushed. He says he was pushed. And then he was like, what, you think I jumped? And like, um, and the way he kind of goes psycho a little bit, I'm like, yes, I do. Like, as you're doing this, you're being a little too defensive there. I think you jumped. I don't think you. I think he would be a sadder ghost. He's an angry ghost. He's angry. That, that's not the point. He's so he's angry, and that's because he got pushed. And you know what? We have this, the thing that the ghosts 
tend that say around tend to have business or something unresolved. And I think if you commit suicide, you're more likely to have resolved. Um, Just a resolution. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Speaking of influences, or going back to influences then, when did Casper come out? 90s. Um, yeah, it, it came out after this, right? So Absolutely, yeah. My whole thing, and I feel like most of us, our whole thing about ghosts have unfinished business, that comes from Casper. That comes from the movie Casper 1995. That, for me, it does. Like my, like That's where I learned it. Ghosts have unfinished business. That's why they hang around. That is literally Casper taught that to me. So I just think it's really funny (laughs) that like it, I, I use it as part of my like ghost knowledge. Yeah. But Casper is. Yeah. Devon Sawa. Cutie. Cutie patootie. Growing up, like they had a few different like VHSs, not a ton. So we would rewatch. And one of them was a collection of like three or four Casper movies. I didn't know they had that many. Yeah, they had a ton of them. I, like, kind of like Bugs Bunny. Or, well, I don't know Bugs Bunny, but there's probably dozens of Casper. Are you talking about the cartoon? Yeah. The cartoon. Oh, I'm talking about the 1995. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm saying I grew up like before that. I was watching these Casper movies with his mean, his kind of mean uncle ghosts and mm. and stuff like that. And he was always sad, and I was just like, yeah. Mm. Anyways. Casper, the friendly ghost. Um, okay, so my favorite thing about this movie is Demi Moore for sure. Like, and the romance parts. Like, I was so sad that that the whole movie isn't just that. Um, I think she did such a good job. I think she's so pretty. She has these like greenish, brownish eyes, and like the way her like face yours. looked like she was crying. Yeah, maybe that's why. Um, but I just I thought she was adorable, and I loved her. I thought she did a really good job, and I really liked. Of course, like the Righteous Brothers um, playing like the the clay scene. I'm just like, yeah, all right. Let me let me get some clay. Have a love scene. Kind of made a joke like you can't. You can't, would you say you can't really pull that off the same with cross stitch? <laughs> right. Very bloody. It's a very bloody scene to cross stitch. With cross stitch. Like, oops. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite thing. You guys have anything else you want to say about the movie? That's it. It's a fun movie. It's, uh, you know, it's different than I remember watching it. It's been years since I've seen it, but I really enjoyed it. It's, it's um, well shot and well acted. And I got past all the sort of like, you know, evil brown people stuff and was able to enjoy it. I, I would, the, I guess the last thing I say is I don't think this would be made this like with the same characterization now because the idea of like the banker with the heart of gold like the fact that he is so honorable and this, and he's going to heaven, like just because he might've been doing the right thing in this case, I just feel like people don't buy that that sort of character with those sort of morals are working at these investment firms and that he's immediately going to heaven when he dies. So One of the reviews, if you just Google ghost uh, movie <laughs> is like, they describe them as a pair of yuppies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, <laughs> you do have a banker with a heart of gold because some of them were like those like hippie kids um, and then others are not. And they're like straight up yuppie, like money, give me the money. And the he's blow. like a second generation yuppie. There's no way he was old enough to, to be a hippie. So this is 1990 
and he's no more he's no more than 20 oh he's definitely I mean, more than sorry, 20 in his I mean, he's in his 20s so there's no way he was a hippie okay that's a yuppie couple is how they described it and i thought that sounded good seems seemed right all right are we ready to rate it ghost 1990 is it a classic or are we past it oh it's a classic i'm past it it's a classic it is it is um okay so next week friends we'll uh we're gonna stay on the romance theme um sort of and we're gonna go to when harry met sally when kendon what will we be we'll be back